Oh, hello, 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 and welcome to an open book podcast. My name is Daniela Rajala. I welcome to a time of us having conversations around how faith affects our worldview. Hopefully, hopefully you get a bit of vulnerability, truths, and discovery on a personal faith journey. This is season one, episode one, and it is with no one else but my father. Um, anyone who knows me well knows that my father and I are pretty close, and he is a big part of why I am who I am. So yes, this is conversations about second chances with Olabi Ajala. Hello there. Hello, Ms. Ajala. How are you doing? Very well. It's a cold Sunday afternoon, but um, I'm feeling good. Thank you. Good, good, good. Glad to have you. Um, thank you so much for agreeing to come. Um, so I really appreciate you taking up time and, you know, meeting with me and speaking with me and really talking through what foundationally what this podcast is about. Um, so what we're talking about is, you know, people's life journeys, um, how their faith shapes their outlook and how their faith affects their overview of the world. And overview. So really appreciate you being here to speak with me, Daddy. I hope you're happy to be here too. Thank you. Thank you for the, for the privilege or the honor. Yes, I would like to answer your questions, and I uh, hope somebody listening out there will be able to gain some form of knowledge or impact or influence from what we will discuss. Thank you. So let me start with, um, I guess, setting the scene. Um, so the first question I want to ask you is, who's your favorite child? <laughs> <laughs> It's a difficult question to, to answer because I have three children. Of course, I have you. You're the, the eldest. Then I have Emmanuel and I have uh, Isaac. And um, curiously, each child manifests a different um, gifting, attitude, disposition. And everyone is like brilliant in their own ways. And um, along with that comes the other side. You know, every every child also has... They are the naughty side. So it's difficult to talk about a favorite because each and every child is unique. You like some things in a particular child. You like some other things less in a particular child. And that's how it goes. Okay. So in short, Emmanuel, did you hear that? Daddy said that I'm his favorite child, essentially. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> Obviously, I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. But yes, um, I, I, um, I totally understand that. Okay, but let's get down to it. Um, so, Dad, could you tell the audience a little bit about yourself? Um, your, you know, your background, um, who you are, what you believe. Um, are you, would you consider yourself a man of God, a Christian, and what that means to you? I would need more than 30 minutes to do that. <laughs> to, to do but let's just start. Let's start. Let's start with that. Currently, I live in Milton Kings in the United Kingdom. I'm a Nigerian by birth, but I relocated to the United Kingdom um, a couple of years ago for ministry work. 
I'm a pastor of a church holding for the word ministry um, here in Milton Kings, like I said. And um, before that, I was living, living in Nigeria. The ministry itself took off in Nigeria until I received instruction to launch forth into the deep. Um, but I'm starting from the, from the back end. The front end is that uh, I come from a family, a polygamous family, um, who are very many. Um, my father had three wives, and uh, I was one of the younger ones of um, about uh, 15 children, I believe. Yeah, 15. So gr growing up, my, my father was a very strict um, African dad. You, he was one of those parents who when they get home, you just scamper about, you know, and, and you, you don't want to be where they are because something, he, he will find something that you have not done right and an opportunity to scold you. So the better thing to do is not to be in that vicinity. So that's the kind of um, background that I've come out of. Um, but he was, uh, he was a very hardworking man and he, he earned his, um, uh, his position, which afforded him an opportunity to be able to give us very sound uh, training in terms of uh, educational exposure. The Lord helped him, and in helping him, he was able to train his children. Um, I went into secondary school and um, university, as is often the practice when I was growing up. I went to the University of Ife. I studied history and political science, and then crossed over to the University of Ibadan. I studied uh, public administration there. And uh, from then, I had some stints in the world of work. I um, got married in 1980, 1987. Now, nah. Daniela, you have to remind 1987, me. 1987. 1987. 1987. Yes, yes. 1987. <laughs> Don't let mommy catch you. <laughs> 1987. Um, then you came along not long after. And I joined you guys in the UK in 1988. Lived in the UK for a little bit before we went back to Nigeria. Um, then after a spell of uh, about 10 years or so in Nigeria, we relocated again back to the United Kingdom. Now, the reason why I've given this uh, um, short history or, or biography is that life is a shot in the dark. It's not always easy to know where the trajectory of life is taking you. In my situation, I have gone back and forth, as I've just explained, a while I was in Nigeria, a while I was in the UK, then a while I went back to Nigeria, and then I came back to the UK. A friend of mine did remark at some point. He said, friend, you know, this one that you're going back and forth, are you? is there some form of confusion here? But um, to have anyone out there who is listening, sometimes life is about the impulse of uh, a divine destiny. And you accept you have an anchor, a faith, a voice, except you trust in um, some people call it providence, but I call it, you know, the God factor. Except you trust in the God factor to lead you. Each, each and every one of us are on a journey. But if you want that journey to take you to the destination that God himself intended for you, you have to hear the sat nav of the Holy Spirit. So that yeah. brings me to today. And the journey that you are embarking on is via this podcast. So yeah. all, all the best. <laughs> thanks dad thank you for giving us back, uh, a background as to who you are 
and what has brought you to the point you are. Um, so you mentioned that you are um, a pastor, so you lead a church in Milton Keynes. So obviously that answers the question um, to say that you are a man of faith. Um, so how did your upbringing, so you, you spoke about your father being from a polygamous home. How did your upbringing, you know, did you grow up in a Christian home? Did you find God by yourself? When exactly did that happen, that transition or or, you know, has it always been imbibed in, in you? Um, have you always been, have you always believed in God? You know, tell me about that. Yes, I grew up in a Christian home. My my parents were a Baptist in, in denominational affiliation. I did grow up in a Christian home, but in terms of relationship with God, because growing up in a Christian home does not make you uh, a Christian or a believer. By description, yeah. you might be one, but yeah. you know, as far as authenticity is concerned, you need that relationship for yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But my my journey of faith um, began when I came into the United Kingdom in 1988. Um, by that time, my, my my wife had gone ahead. As I said, she traveled. We got married in 87. Um, then you came along sometime in 88 and she had um, identified a, a Pentecostal church um, and she was a part of that church before I even joined her in the United Kingdom. They were very supportive and they were um, very helpful. So when I joined, uh, I belonged, I identified with that church as well. And it was in the course of me attending that church that I gave my life to Christ and my work with the Lord um, started as it were. I think it's the weight of being a father and, you know, the responsibility and the challenges. Yeah. I just realized I needed, I, yeah. I needed an uncle. <laughs> and, I, and I found that I had to rely less on myself and trust more in God. So that's what happened. Yeah. So that was actually going to be my question. So what was it that made you shift in your, because obviously you've grown, you've grown up in a Christian home. You know, you'd heard about God before. Um, your mom had introduced you to God. Um, your parents had introduced you to God. Um, but you will, like you just said, it was it wasn't until you know I was born and you had the family, you know, um, husband, your husband, wife, and child, and you thought, you know what, I need that. So is it is it simply the weight weight of responsibility that makes made you look deeper, or did you have like an an a heart encounter? You know, that sort of thing. I, I don't think I had an aha encounter. <clears throat> I, what, what happens to, to all of us is something causes us to introspect. Something causes us to, to think deeper and, and search for answers. And as I was contemplating where my life was at that point, um, I was looking for answers. And as I exposed myself more and more to the preaching and the teaching and the reading of the word and hearing of the gospel, I knew that what I needed was what um, was being offered me in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. So yes, maybe the, I mean, I, I came into the United Kingdom. I, I, for all intents and purposes, I was not uh, achieving what I thought, what I knew I could achieve. I was underachieving because everything seemed to be on top of me. So you cannot but just ask yourself whether there could be more. 
And where can you find strength to be able to cope with the opposition you are facing economically, socially, you know, culturally? So many things that were buffeting you at that point. You had more questions than you had answers for. Then the word of God comes, and as it says concerning itself, it is good news to everyone who is poor or searching. So that's what it meant to me. Oh, great, great. So you definitely took comfort in that at, at your lowest point or at one of your low points in life. Well, you could put it that way, low point. But you see, you, you can't, a human being that is still alive cannot talk about lowest point. Mm, because you don't yeah. even know what is ahead of you in the future yes but yes. but we, we all have uh points of consternation you know points where you're just confounded there are, there are more like i said more questions than you have answers for and sometimes it could be periodic it doesn't mean because you've answered a particular question in 2010 in yeah it doesn't mean that you can't you don't have serious issues to answer in 2015 yeah yeah you know? definitely definitely yeah, I like that. And that's so true. Um, I think oftentimes as individuals, um, sometimes we think, oh, you know, you know, I've had a time in, like you said, 2010. And we think that, oh, 2020, this year has to be better because it can't get any worse than this. And the truth is life, real life happens and sometimes it can get worse. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's nice to hear that, you know, you're talking about being anchored in something deeper and something true. that keeps you you know, rooted and grounded. Um, so that's great. Great to hear. Um, actually, if you were to write a book and, and you have written a book and you, you, you said, you spoke about the title of the book, is, which is Moved by the Impulse of Divine Destiny. Um, but if you were good to write another book that really summarizes um, what your life has been, you know, so far, what would the title of that book be? The one that comes easily to mind is... Um... Advantage by grace. And Could you please expand on that? You know, what does it mean? What's the synopsis of the book? What, what if, if, I, if I start with what I just shared with you and your listeners, that I am one of 15 children, and to the glory of God, God has helped me. He has given me, he has caught a particular path for me. And um, he has... He has given me opportunity to stand in high places, to make great gains. I, I think I'm happy with my life and what God has done, where he has taken me, brought me from, and where he has uh, taken me to. And um, I can only attribute all of this to grace. So mm. the, the summary of my life will be in that title, Advantaged by Grace. Dad, but for people who don't know what grace is, what is grace? Grace is an enablement. Grace is an empowerment. Grace is the, the making to happen those things that you know are happening not because of your effort. It, it, it's, it's a, it's a, I don't know whether to use the word power will be uh, appropriate, but grace is, um, is a, it's, it's, like, it's like the oil that makes something rusty to begin to function effortlessly. So grace is that enablement. It is that ability. It is that, um, again, use that word, um, it, that possibility. That's what grace is. I don't want to be very theological about it, you know, although I, so, so I, I don't want to explain it in terms of, you know, God's intervention and, 
great no no and no go on go on because we're speaking about it from your from your point of view so you know how be, however best you want to explain it go on and explain it that way yeah so when we talk in terms of grace it, it is it is an ability that god the and all the almighty you know the the omnipotent omnipotent one it is an enablement that he makes available to us humans the things we know that of ourselves we cannot do but because of his grace, because and his grace can manifest as his mercy, it can manifest as his kindness, it can manifest as his love. So when he supplies all of those things, those things that you and I can otherwise not do for ourselves become possible. So in terms of being mm. advantaged by grace, I'm saying that the, the mightiness of God, the love of God, the kindness of God have made things possible for me. And that's, those are the things that have given me advantage in my journey of life. Great, fantastic. Um, if I was to delve a little bit deeper, can you give me of an instance in your life where you know without a shadow of a doubt it was just by God's grace? These things, anyone who looks back, I mean, today I, I was raising a, a, a song while I was uh, leading service. I was reminding people about the song, Count Your Blessings, Name Them One by One. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. And I'm saying that because each and every one of us, if you look back at the last five years, 10 years, 15 years, you will see definite points in your life that if it had not been for the intervention of God, if it had not been for the mercy of God, if it had not been for the fact that he gave you advantage because of his grace, you will not have made it. So there are so many mm. such junctions in my life. You know, so many. Yeah. Um, sometimes it might just be the, the job that God makes available to you. You know, like I said, I was living in the uh, in Nigeria. At some point, I came to the UK. Uh, it was a walk in the dark. But even in that darkness, God made a way, you know. And when I had mm -hmm. to go back to, uh, to Nigeria, to Lagos, I mean, so many people were saying to me, I mean, this was 1990, the end of 89, going into 90 and at the beginning of 90s it was supposed to be the computer glitch or no community you know, so many people had different um or was that 90 was that was that was that 1990 or 2000 i think it was that was 2000 so many things were being um um said were being said at that time oh things are hard but i decided i was going to go because i had had enough of the uk and i went back to nigeria but the Beautiful thing is, before I got into Nigeria, the Lord had gone ahead of me and he made mm. all things possible. I, I could not have asked for a better manifestation of the plans or the things that he did. So mm. I've seen I've seen his hand of grace and favor at many points. In your life, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So God is very real to you. He is. He is very, very real. I mean, he's re he's real. He's there's no there's no doubting that fact that you know God is real, um, and I'm not talking about just being lucky here. I'm talking about being favored, being advantaged by grace, not being lucky. They're mm -hmm. two different things. You know, I've seen him bring things that I'm not qualified for. I've seen him bring those things to me, and I've seen him not just bring those things to me. I've seen him develop me and give me the aptitude and the ability to be able to man up and cope with those things that otherwise I was not uh, qualified for or unable to do until he gave me the, the understanding for it. You know, at so many points, even right now, I mean, when, when I got into Milton Kings, 
when I was coming back to the United Kingdom, the Lord said to me, I will show you my kindness in a strange city. Never lived in a place like this before, you know, but that word, he gave that word to me as I sat on the plane on my return journey um, back to the United Kingdom. And he has not failed me. What he has done, what, what he has done since I landed up till now is just a demonstration of his faithfulness. So it's not luck. There's some there's, yeah. there's someone who is looking out for me and is making uh, to come to pass his plans and his thoughts towards me. And I know that person, that someone is God himself. Beautifully said. I can definitely identify with that um, in, in my own life as well. Like you said, some, sometimes there are things that we don't deserve. And sometimes that we think that you know, things that, you know, is well, it's unwarranted, you know, um, but God in his mercy um, shows us grace. So I can definitely, definitely identify with that. Beautifully said. Um, so I want to, you know, take a, you know, a little peek back not too long ago. Um, so looking at 2020 for a lot of people um, globally, 2020 was a difficult year. Um, but I also know that 2020 was a difficult year for your family. Um, you know, can you give me some insight into what happened in the year 2020 for you personally? Yeah, 2020 was a tough year. Um, the, the, the pandemic affected my family, affected me, because when the coronavirus, when it, um, when it was released upon the earth, if that word is, uh, <clears throat> if that's the correct word for it, I, I, my wife and I, <clears throat> my wife and I were, down with uh, the coronavirus and she survived it after the mandatory 14 days she she improved but i didn't um we were both ill in the same house you know isolated in different rooms and there was just your brother isaac who had uh, just returned from the university at that time who was taking taking care of both of us it was a very difficult period emmanuel was in london you were in lagos and we were only coordinating by phone call and all of those things. And the anxiety of how, how are we all doing? How are we coping? was quite stressful. Then it went from me being ill at home, self-isolating to having to be taken to hospital and the whole um, experience of um, deciding. I remember I, I put a phone call to all of you and we were all online together, a video call. And I said, well, they're taking me putting me under i'm going on the ventilator and we had like as it were the the last conversation and i said look if anything happens and i don't come back you know this is the decision that i want you to take and this is the person that i'm giving the man mantle to have the deciding vote and it was like a farewell uh, speech but can i can i interject then because i need to tell the listeners what you said you said um, if this, you know, the, the person you were given the deciding vote to was Emmanuel Ajala. That is my younger brother, guys. He did yes. not give it to his wife. He did not give it to his first child. He gave it to his first son. Just yes. interject there. Can you see what happened there? Can you see what this man did? But it's okay. <laughs> Let's move on. Let's move on. Sorry, the, continue. The, the, the truth is, the truth is, we. it's difficult for me to fully express the reasons why... Um, the 30 minutes or 45 minutes is not enough. But the reason why to make that decision is because, like I said, everybody has their strength. Every one of your children, you know, uh, they have their strengths and they have their weaknesses. And as a father, I, I know 
who would best execute my mind, you know, in a way that will be fair to everyone and will have the heart and the interest of everyone, you know, in, in, in making a decision. That's the reason why I said Emmanuel should have the deciding vote. It's not because he's the eldest or the youngest. It's because he will be able to fulfill that uh, responsibility. But having said that, uh, we had that fatal phone call, I, and I'm grateful to God for how each and every one of you uh, was stoic. You rose up to the occasion. You know, there was no wailing or whatever. Even if that was the last time you were going to hear me speak, everybody, you know, we were all up for up for it we believed god again that's this is not about luck this is not about positive thinking this is about us believing that there is a god so i went yes. into the ventilator under the ventilator and um, i was out in coma for uh, over two weeks and yes. um, those were the longest two weeks in all of your lives because you didn't yes. know whether i was going to come out of it or not and it was yes. difficult very very difficult Obviously, being in coma, I had my different experience in the other world. I was not conscious, but at the same time, I had um, an, an out-of-body experience, you know, here and there. Uh, but I, I don't want to overindulge in all of that because that's not the... I don't, uh, I don't trade in things like that. But I just want to let anybody out there listening, I want you to know that there's a reality of another world outside of this world. It is so real. Uh, but I'm not going to overemphasize that. But to the glory of God, I came round, came out of the uh, ICU unit, went into the ward, and um, since then I've been on my journey to recovery. I had to learn how to feed myself all over again. I had to learn how to walk all over again. I had to learn how to do virtually everything all over again. But here am I today, I'm doing very well. My rehabilitation has surprised uh, medical consultants and uh, medical experts. I am very, very well. I, I have um, imposed on myself a physical regime. I go for long walks, sometimes 10 kilometers, uh, um, sometimes shorter, uh, physical exercises. So I, 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 am, I am much improved and I'm, I'm good now. So that's, 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 that's it. We are happy to have you back, definitely. Um, but as you said, it was a very traumatic um, time in our lives. Um, as you said, I wasn't in the United Kingdom. So um, my mum, my mother, was um, recording all the conversations she was having with the doctors. And for, the, for quite a long time, so for about, you know, for the first 10, 11, 12 days, um, you, you were declining um, and you weren't, you weren't getting any better. And the doctors were a little bit confused. Um, and I was getting the recordings um, of the conversations that mum was having with the doctor. You are about to hear a conversation between my mum and the doctor discussing the state of my father's health while he was in a coma. Okay. There are no other treatments available other than the ones we're doing for his lungs. Okay. Mm -hmm. But we have to ask the question. I think that leaves us without many options, sadly. Um, he's on his front at the moment. Uh, if he stays as he is, I don't know how things will proceed 
if he proves a bit, we may be able to get him back onto his back. But he's kind of running out of, of options. So it was a very tough time because one of the things they had said prior to you going in is that they were going to give you 14 days on the ventilator. And after 14 days, it was probably, you know, they for them, they would have tried because they needed these machines because obviously there were a lot of people that needed to be on the ventilator. So they had said they were going to give you in the max that 14 days and if you weren't improved, they were going to turn the ventilator off. Um, so I remember, you know, being on the other side, getting the voice notes and hearing or the recordings and hearing, you know, the doctor saying, you know, it's day 12, it's not, not, nothing's really happening, he's not getting any better, his oxygen levels are really low. Um, so you already hear him kind of umming and ahhing because what they're trying to prepare you for is the end um, to try and kind of say, you know, start to ease you in into accepting this reality that you know he's not going to make it um so and yeah so i was having a lot of conversations with my siblings um and my my mom at the time well my mom not at the time but yeah we were having conversations about that and you know what it would mean if you didn't make it um so it was it was a very tough time very very tough time um but we all believed that god was going to do one of the things that god told me whenever I got on my knees to pray, he said, you know, and this is what I used to encourage people. There's nothing that happens that I'm unaware of. Nothing happens that escapes my attention. So I, I knew that God was aware of the current situation that we were experiencing. I knew that it wasn't as if he was blind or deaf to hear me or blind to see what was happening. I knew his hand was in it um, and he was doing a work. I didn't know, I can't, I honestly can't say that I believe, I knew that he would come, you know, he would make it. Um, but I knew that God was in it, despite if he made it or not. Um, and I think it was something I accepted. I had faith enough to believe that God was in it. Um, but one of the things that happened was that we sh um, shared the videos and the recordings of you when you came out of it. Um, how did that make you feel seeing yourself in the coma, you know, helpless, um, seeing, not being able to, yeah, not even being aware of your surroundings um, or even hearing the words? Because I don't know, you know, there's a particular um, sound clip where the doctor's telling my mother, you know, should I get a chaplain in sort of thing? And usually they're saying that because they're like, let's pray, you know, it's the end sort of thing. Um, but my mother's, you know, saying he will live. God has told me he's coming back home. You know, those sort of, when you heard those, you know, th those recordings, how did that make you feel? And how did your faith play a, what instruction did you get? How did your faith play a, a you know, a part in, in your understanding of all the happenings? But I, my faith is built. My faith is the foundation. So the, nothing I hear or nothing I see affects the foundation of what is already laid. One of the questions the nurse asked me when I went in for one of my checkups is, do you want us to give you a picture of what it was like when you were under? Because not everybody um, 
is brave enough or comfortable enough to see what the, what the, what they look like for me the entire experience like you said god knows about if he had allowed for me to have passed on to glory i would not have missed a bit i would not have mm. asked for anything differently i i left everything on the table i was ready to mm. go and that's why i said mm. when i had that telephone conversation with the five all of us the five of us on on video call at that point if that was the last meeting it will have it will have been fine by me because i celebrate the moment so there's nothing about the entire experience because when i saw my consultant they asked questions like do you have flashbacks do you have nightmares no i don't i don't have any nightmarish experience or recollections of that time it doesn't scare me i'm not faced i have gone in i have come out i know that there is a reason why god spared my life my coming out of that terrible experience that has claimed so many lives it's not because i'm better it's not because i am more righteous it is because god has spared my life for a definite purpose so i am pursuing that purpose and i want to live out that purpose i want to encourage as many people as possible about the 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 advantage that they can have by the grace and the mercy of god mm. i'm not looking back at the the terror that i have escaped from i'm looking ahead to the glory that i know is in front of me so yeah. that's how i look at it yeah 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 so would you say that the experience has basically given you more you know vigor or you know more you know enthusiasm or i don't know more faith in 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 continuing the work that god is calling you to do daniela one of the things that happened to me when i was under was a visitation where I was in a theater and the the a film was go- a play was going to be uh um shown or staged and I heard the voice of God say because there was so much delay the lights person the sound person testing testing they were just wasting time and people were sitting down waiting for this play to begin and I heard clearly the voice of God say to me this is exactly what my children are doing in the world they are getting ready to get ready to get ready they are too distracted tell my people to get ready to make the main thing to be the main thing and i believe one of the reasons why god spared my life is so that i can speak this word to as many people as are willing to listen make the main thing be the main thing we are too uh, uh distracted by too many things that do do not matter and we have to walk away from these things and prioritize the things of the kingdom I have always been somebody who maximizes the moment. I love my family, I love my children, I love my community of faith. I pour myself into the 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 ministry and the members that God has brought into me because every day matters and every day shall count. My hospital experience has it taught me anything? Yes, it has taught me to be more urgent with the sacrifice of love. It has taught me to be more uh, outgoing in in the need for me to let as many people as possible know that there is a life beyond this life and there's a need for us to make uh, impact in this one that we're still living. Mm, definitely. Um but even in conversations you know with me and you when we've had conversations you spoke about even the testimony of being you know 
in the hospital and people approaching you even after you left. So, you know, nursing staff or people that heard about your story and your testimony, you know, talk about that. You can, t can you tell me about the lives that have been affected just from hearing what happened? Because even, you know, through the experience, one of the things that when you went in for your consultation, your doctor told you that, um, your heart stopped, you know, on two occasions. So, and one of the things they had said prior was that your body was such an, it was in such a bad state um, that they could not resuscitate you. So if your heart stopped, they weren't going to, you know, get, you know, do the paddles and try and bring your heart, your heart back. So, and, you know, almost the worst happened, your heart did stop twice, but you're still speaking. So, you know, what are the lessons or what are the things, tell me about stories about people who have heard about the, you know, what happened and the testimony. So many nurses and doctors and workers um, stopped by when I regained consciousness, when I was in the recovery ward. And it was then that, uh, you know, a few of them will be brave enough to say, look, this is what your experience has taught us. They, 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 they saw when it was hopeless. A particular nurse was so drawn to my story and, you know, to my person. She said, all I did was just step out for a few moments, and at the time I came back, you know, from after lunch or so, he said everything was good in a particular mo moment, and then a few moments later, everything just went wrong. They all knew that at a point, it was as though it was over for this man. They knew. So for, for me to come out of all of that experience was faith building to many of them, the doctors, the nurses, you know, and on this occasion, like you said, my heart flattened out twice. And because my body could no longer take, you know, they couldn't even shock me back into the scope, so they didn't do anything for the heart picked up on the both occasions by itself, you know. Uh, so I had this nurse who said to me in my days of recovery that, you know, which church do you belong to? Which, you know, I just need the God that has done this for you. I just need to be close to him. I need to know him. And so many other people, uh, um, my wife went out shopping, she was at the supermarket, somebody re recognized her from a picture that was, um, you know, they had seen when I was coming out of hospital. And at the checkout counter, this lady walked up to her and said, oh, I think I remember you, you know, this is what happened to your husband, I recognize you from such and such and such. I was there, I'm a medical doctor, I saw what happened. And so the testimony was very palpable, it was very inspiring. Of, of the power of God as it manifested in my situation. So, yeah, I'm here. And I hope that somebody out there listening will be encouraged to trust God, even in the most impossible, seemingly impossible of situations. Be encouraged. God is not through with you yet. Um, I think I, I really like, you know, the way you've articulated what your faith means to you. You know, it's very real. God is very real to you. You, you know, he's as real as, you know, the water you drink. Um, and that's, that's what I'm getting from this conversation. Um, so I guess I feel like I know the answer to this, but, you know, what keeps you going in difficult times? What keeps you grounded? What keeps you anchored in times where, you know, what you're seeing may not seem like it's real? What keeps you going? Um, because... Our Christian work is a factor of relationship. Mm. And every relationship is strengthened by fellowship. Mm. So when you have fellowship with the Spirit of God, the Bible talks about the communion of the Holy Spirit. 
where you have that communion, where you have that, uh, 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 that bonding with the, with the Holy Spirit, one of the advantages that we have as Christians is that we know the mind of God. Most times, even when something contrary, something adversarial is going to happen to me, because of that communion, because of that relationship, I have wind of it. I might not know the, the, the impact, I might not know the severity with which that which is um, ahead will hit me, but it never happens without some form of an inkling that this and this is coming. Mm. So because mm. it gives me a, a, a peek into the future, when it comes, I know that the Lord has shown me this for a reason yeah. before. And you know, sometimes he wants you to pray about it. Sometimes he wants you to just be, be strong and toughen yourself that it will blow, you know, and, but it will go over. He never, the Bible says, can I do a thing without first revealing it to my prophet? Yeah. So when yeah. it comes to you, God wants to be able to tell you, this is what the enemy wants to do to you. But don't worry. Like he said to Peter, I have prayed for you. Mm. So each and every one of us, we are, we are in a, a, a battle zone and we are in a world of trial and tribulation. What he says he has overcome for us. Because he has overcome for us, it is an encouragement. So your, your question is, what takes me through? What takes me through is one, the assurance, he might have shown it to me before, that this trial, this difficulty is coming, but it is coming to pass. He shows that to me. So it helps me when I am in the thick of things. The second thing is, what keeps me going is the assurance that I know that my life is hid in God through Christ Jesus. And again, like you and I have been saying since we started this podcast, it is not just mental. It's not just something I, I, I know in my head. It is something I know in my heart and it's something I feel in my lifestyle. My entirety, mm -hmm. you know, is, it, it just oozes the fact that God is not just a concept, he is a reality. So that's what keeps me going. The word of God is quick, it is powerful, it is sufficient for each and every one of us. We have to trust him, we have to believe him. You might be going through a situation right now, like I was in a situation that I couldn't help myself, but people were praying and I came out of it. Now, by coming out of it does not mean that I will not die again. That my heart stopped twice and, 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 and came back functioning after the second time does not mean it will not stop and stop finally at some point in time. Whether five years, whether 15 years, at whatever point, death will surely come. So that's not the yeah. point. The point is, I must walk the works of him who has sent me while it is day. The Bible says there yeah. come a time where no man can walk. So the opportunity yeah. that you and I have right now is to tell the next person or the next person about the grace of God that is available. And so you and I have to tap into that grace and say, Lord, give me the grace to be able to do your will and serve your purpose. Thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Mr. Ojala. Thank you. Daddy. Thank you, I hope Daniel. you had fun today. I yes, hope you I had fun today. I wish you all the best with this podcast and I pray that lives will be touched and faith will be strengthened Amen. and the Lord Amen. will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All the best. Thank you for your time, Pastor. Okay, then. All righty, then. Speak later. Love you lots. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Thank you for joining me on this episode, guys. I really appreciate you listening through to the end. I hope you enjoyed it. And I hope you join me on other episodes um, in the future. And I hope you're encouraged by what you heard. I really appreciate it, guys. Catch you later. Bye-bye.